Welcome to Breaking Through, the podcast that explores the breakthroughs teams are making every day at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. I'm Madeline Bell, the hospital's president and CEO. I have a very special story to share with you today. It's about two amazing little girls, twin girls, who've inspired so many of us at CHOP. Addie and Lily Altabelli were born in CHOP's Garbos Family Special Delivery Unit on November 18th, 2020. Addie and Lily needed highly specialized care because they were conjoined. Their bodies were connected at the chest wall, the diaphragm, and the liver. During the many months they spent in intensive care at CHOP, Addie and Lily overcame many challenges. And when they flew home in December 2021, they traveled on two separate medical airplanes as two separate girls. CHOP has a long history as a leader in the separation of conjoined twins. It's a complex surgery that requires exceptional skill and teamwork. Addie and Lily's parents, Dom and Maggie, are joining me today from their home near Chicago. Dom and Maggie, welcome to Breaking Through. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So let's begin. Take me back to the day that you found out you were carrying conjoined twins. What was that like? We went into our 20-week anatomy scan, which we were waiting to go into after having our seven-and-a-half-week ultrasound just because of COVID. So they wanted us to take that time in between and just do routine heartbeat checks. And so for that amount of time, we thought we were having just one baby. And we went into the 20-week ultrasound, ready to see this growing baby because my belly was getting real big. And they put the wand on my belly and I just saw two heads and I thought, oh my goodness, are there two of them? (laughs) And the ultrasound tech kind of looked at me and looked a little concerned and took the wand off my belly and said, I'm so sorry, I'll be right back. I have to go get the doctor. So during that time, Don was sitting in the car waiting for me to FaceTime him because they wouldn't let him in for the ultrasound. And... The doctor came back in with the ultrasound tech and she kind of explained what was going on. She said, you know, I think that their little stomachs are connected and it's a very high risk thing. And sometimes these kinds of cases don't work out. So we called Dom and we finally got him in there. (laughs) And we had to explain to him what the situation was. And they rushed us to the maternal fetal medicine doctors right away that very same day to just kind of start really researching and seeing what all we needed to figure out in order to go through with the pregnancy and see if these girls could get separated. So you started with your research. How did you come from Chicago, where you live, to Philadelphia? So when we got hit with that news, like most people may react to it, is very overwhelming at first. And for us, we just tried to break it down in a step-by-step manner. And we knew that the next step was to learn as much as we could. And We took about four weeks at that point to research the other institutions that have had successful separations of conjoined twins and began getting in contact with them. And it was late August, early September of 2020, we made a visit out to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and it was all organized. We had a full two-day agenda built out and uh, it was at that time where we met Dr. Holly Hedrick and Dr. Julie Moldenhauer and we left that meeting after Dr. Hedrick looked at us and said, game on. And we knew that we had to be at shop. 
So what are some of the things that the top team did to support you? I mean, this had to be a really stressful time. You finally met with the team, but there was a pretty long wait between that time and the time the babies were born. What types of supports did the team give you at that time? We uh, initially arrived middle of October. We had scans and tests, uh, meeting with the uh, delivery team. And then it all came to the point where we had the planned C-section for November 18th, 2020. That team was great. You know, we're coming from Chicago where, you know, it was unheard of to really do these surgeries. And also very risky for me just to give birth and to figure out how do we get these babies out safely. And a lot of it had to do with even how do you do a C-section with this? They really reassured us that we've done this before. And it made me even more so as someone who needs to go through this kind of surgery, feel better about everything. Okay, so take us into the delivery room. The babies were born at the Garbos Family Special Delivery Unit. Just tell us about that day. It was awesome. We woke up super early and they had us arrive right around 6 a.m. And it was so funny because we were staying in a temporary residence in Philadelphia and Maggie's parents took us to the hospital and it's like, you know, at that time, no visitors were allowed, so it's kind of like dropping your kids off. And we're waving at them. We're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and you arrive to this special delivery unit. It was just super peaceful. They started right away, starting getting Maggie ready and didn't miss a beat. Yeah, and for me, I'm lucky to have such a wonderful partner that was there to, you know, just talk me through a lot of, of scary thoughts going on in my mind. Between him and all the care team that was around us, at CHOP during that delivery. It was very calming in a way. I tell everybody I felt like I went into this Zen state of we came here for a reason and everything is going to work out. And you just keep telling yourself that just to give it to God and just pray and everything will work out. And so we went in and it was amazing. And the girls came out and I was just waiting to hear them cry because it's what you wait for, I feel like. And just to make sure that they're healthy. And they said, you know, okay, they're out. And I said, where are you? They're not crying. And they opened the door to the room that's connected to where they got delivered. You know, to run them over there really fast, make sure they're breathing and everything's okay. And they opened the door and I could hear a little cry. And I just started crying, looked over at Dom because I knew he was going to be the first one to go see the girls and come back and show me. So he came back with a picture of the girls and showed it to me. And it was awesome. It was amazing. And we're super lucky because we didn't even know would they survive delivery. It was wonderful. And everybody was so amazing. So this story continues. They're born and they spend a very long time in the intensive care unit before they're separated. What was that time like between the time you were in the delivery room to they were separated? What was your day like? Yeah, there's a few chapters of it. First few months was pretty calm in a way because we knew we were in it for the long run and we knew that they weren't getting separated right away. So mentally we came into those first couple months already prepared. So I'd say the first two months, every day in the NICU, Maggie and I were showing up together and being with the girls. We did that for the first probably six to eight weeks. And then after that, months three to six, they got intense. Showing up together was just starting to get pretty impossible. It was a lot on both of us. So we started splitting shifts, sharing time. I had to continue to stay employed and work myself. And and it was right at that time that we got hit with some respiratory issues. And it was a big curveball and already a 
crazy experience because we didn't expect that. It was a really, really big surprise and it was tough emotionally. We had to deal with our girls getting intubated and staying intubated and using breathing support while they had breathing tubes in their mouth. And that was really tough as a parent to see your little baby go through that. Then we started catching some smooth waves and it all started with a trach procedure. And that was right around five months old for the girls. And we went forward with the trach. It was a tough decision, but we're glad we did. And it was proposed by the full team at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, but something that Dr. Hedrick, we really leaned on her advice and guidance for. And she said that for both girls to get the trach would be a really safe and good thing to do because it could help them develop, grow, get stronger for the big separation procedure. And we're glad we took that advice. As tough as it was at that moment, as tough as it is still now, having babies with the trach, we're glad we did because the girls started moving. We got them moving and grooving and they were doing tubby time and swinging and modified crawling and standing. And we rode that wave, you know, all the way to the summertime, right around nine months old. And that's when the CHOP team came to us and said, hey, we're ready, you know, to begin planning for the separation procedure for about six weeks, seven weeks, they planned. And then it really all culminated to the October 13th, 2021 separation. We had a lot of ups and downs and it's a different world and we're not used to it. And, you know, we don't work in the medical field. So it was a huge learning experience. But if anything, it helped us grow as parents. I feel like now we can handle anything that comes our way. So how about the day of surgery? Tell us about the day that Addie and Lily were separated. What was that like for the two of you? It was awesome. We woke up super early and we got the girls. We had to get the girls awake by about 5 a.m. And the team gave us probably a full hour to really just be with them. We played, we read, we did bath time and, you know, really just loved on the girls like crazy. We tried to act as normal as we could because... We had done a lot of these walks with them to different surgeries, and we knew that this was that walk of we don't know what's going to happen, but we've done our best as parents to get them where they need to go and put them in the best hands. You know, we really just prayed all day, and we had this book that we came up with, and we gave it to the nurses, and so we had them throughout the few weeks before fill out their favorite memories to the girls or... Words of encouragement. Yeah, and so we kind of felt like everybody was there with you that day. So we read through those notes of love and encouragement. Yeah, and we had Maggie's mom and dad with us in the room, and my mom was there with us. And the day started really early. It was like three, three and a half hours of the girls getting prepared and the team getting ready, and they made the first incision late morning. We had a few update calls along the way, which was good, steady progress, and then at 2.38 p.m., less than four hours after they started, they gave us the call that the Addison Hope and Liliana Faith were two separate little girls. And just after 5 p.m., Addison came back to the room first, and that was a sight to see. Just remarkable to see that the amount of people, medical people, who were taking care of one child was just fascinating. And we got great photos. And then just 45 minutes after that, Lily came back and me and Maggie were standing in the hallway. We didn't know what to do. Like nobody told us. And they went, your girls come back. It's two separate girls. Do you cry? Do you clap? Well, you know, what do you do? So I got like a nervous energy to me. So I just started clapping and everybody in the hallway started clapping. It was funny. What was cool too is one of my favorite parts of the whole day was we just know the girls as together. And 
that day to think of them apart, it was already kind of like, wow, okay, so this is crazy. This is that day we're waiting for. But we walked into the room and there were two cribs. Oh, God. And we've never seen that before. Like, we just didn't realize that something like that would hit us so hard because you're just used to seeing one bed with them in it. And it was very special. It was one of the best days of our lives. For sure. So you spend more than a year at CHOP. Tell us about the day that you heard they were going home. Well, we were pressing the CHOP team <laughs> pretty significantly on getting us home early. Dr. Dean Bruins in the PICU, he was the girl's primary doctor. And we had a sit down with him and a few of the other team members, probably middle November, which was just four weeks after the girl's separation. And they said, we believe we'll be able to get these girls home on December 1st, just six weeks after separation. Once we got that news, we were locked in and everybody was locked in on that. And so we were counting the days till that December 1st. All the main players on the medical side got everything lined up. So it all added up to that December 1st. Wheels up experience for the girls getting on their own little plane. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting in the ambulance because Dom had already left with Lily. Yeah. first. And so him and Lily got on the plane first to go home. And then Addie and I stayed around. And finally, we got on the plane. And I just thought, this is it. This is insane. I can't believe we're going back to Illinois. It was awesome. So now you're back home. And I think our audience would love to hear what are Addie and Lily's lives like today? They're superstars. They're, they're, they're so they're, happy. They're 16 months old, Madeline. And we've heard from therapists and specialists who study baby development. We've heard they are right on par. And maybe, maybe they're a little bit behind on some walking and maybe a little bit behind on talking because of the traits. But yeah, there are days I get them up super early and then take care of them. We do have day nurse help, which is really, really great and helpful. And so they arrive by 6.30 or 7. And I'll usually do a handoff to Maggie and the nurses by 7 or 7.30 a.m. We do reading in the morning because our nighttime routine is a little medically driven. So we do reading in the morning. And so they sit and they read and then Maggie and the nurses get them playing. They have a very busy schedule. Every day they have a therapy. We have Easter Seals who work with them. And that's physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech, speech therapy, developmental therapy. So they're already starting to kind of crawl around, stand up with some help. And people always say, they're just like, I can't believe these girls are doing this. And then on the breathing side, they're they're making their strides. We're up to seven hours a day where they breathe on their own, you know, off the vent. And the goal, the next step is to get them all day off the vent and just sleep with it. And then hopefully by late spring, early summer, we could get to a point where they're starting to practice sleeping while they breathe on their own and get to the point where we're off the breathing machines and get the trachs out. So yeah, they're doing great. We've been getting outside a lot. We've gone to the park a few times. They love swings. I love the swing sets. And we also took them to their first restaurant slash bar experience <laughs> over the weekend. We stopped in a little cantina in uh, our neighborhood and they were just looking around like crazy and having a blast in a social setting because they really haven't been in a social setting. Yeah, they each have their own double stroller to carry all their equipment. So getting them through a restaurant door we found out is a little tougher, <laughs> but... But other than that, it's all, you know, normal, fun stuff that we're trying to, you know, just incorporate into their day. 
It does sound very normal and very fun, and I really applaud the <laughs> two of you for persevering in the two double strollers. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that you did was partnered with an anonymous donor that raised $4 million to support other CHOP families that need life-saving surgeries. I'm so grateful to the generosity that this anonymous donor and your part in bringing them to the table. Could you tell us a little bit more about this campaign and why it was important for you to do? So our, and our purpose was to raise funds for the greater good of other kids. We wanted to also bring awareness. I'm so thankful for everyone who's donated, and it's such a big impact on so many people. Yeah, and the anonymous family in Chicago area, through our friend and family network, and they embraced the girls all along the way. And we're so thankful that CHOP delivered such a great outcome. And to Maggie's point, wanted to fuel the awareness and fuel the fundraising initiative. And so they did the $2 million match campaign. And I think by the time they announced it, the ending uh, of it was about 10 days. They knew that that was going to really light a fire. And, and it definitely did in us. Maggie had to calm me down plenty of times. I was running around the house yelling, fuel the future, fuel the future. And we really believe that the $4 million raised is just the start of this. We think that the transformational fund that's been started for Dr. Holly Hedrick's team and the multidisciplinary approach at CHOP, we think the sky's the limit on how much can be raised for that group because they're doing significant things for many kids to save their lives. I couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> Thank you again so much. I always close my podcast by asking my guests about their personal breakthroughs. So Maggie, let's start with you. Could you tell me about your biggest breakthrough moment? To know that we could go through this and handle it and learn from it as a family, it makes you stronger. And that was kind of a breakthrough moment for me. Like anything that comes your way, just take a step back and know that you can get through it. I look at these girls every day and I think, oh my gosh, what little miracles you are. And you continue to just show your strength and make me stronger as a mom and just a person in general. And Dom, how about you? It all started when Maggie was pregnant. I would actually put my hand on her belly and I would pray and I would actually talk to my dad who had recently passed suddenly. And I would say, dad, just give this baby, we thought it was one baby. I said, give this baby the power to change the world. And I just kept doing it and doing it. And then we got the word on the conjoined twins. And I'm like, whoa, yeah, what the, what the heck, man? This, this is different. <laughs> he was telling you something. He was telling you something yeah. for sure. I know. And so the cascading effect of it in, in my eyes is he gave us and God gave us the power in these girls to change the world. And not only did they every single day by bringing smiles to the nurses and the doctors and the specialists at Children's Hospital of Philly and to us, but the way that they come out on the other side as two separate little girls is just so inspiring. And then to attach fundraising to it now and to have the Addie and Lily Fund for Transformational Care, you know, I just think the power to change the world has just started. And I think that's my dad's message to us. Well. I believe that Addie and Lily have changed the world and they've certainly touched so many lives and I really appreciate you sharing them with us and your family's journey with us. So thank you so much for being with me today. To find out how you can be part of tomorrow's breakthroughs at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, please visit chop.edu giving. 
To learn more about how our teams are transforming the future of healthcare, please visit innovation.chop.edu. At CHOP, we make breakthroughs every day. I'm Madeline Bell. Thank you for listening.